The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 5, we're still in a sermon series called Digging Deeper. Everyone shout, Digging Deeper. Come on, shout, Digging Deeper. So this is our fourth sermon in the sermon series called Digging Deeper. And we've been focusing on spiritual growth and how we can grow as a believer. Is there anybody in the building that you feel that this is the season that the Lord is calling you to grow deeper? Do you feel like that this is the season that the Lord is calling you to go deeper? Now, I want you to open your heart today and be really receptive. I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to engage with me this morning as I reveal to you a truth that will help you grow deeper as a Christian, all right? And so I know sometimes we can get distracted, so it's important that we just give our undivided attention to the Word of God because the Word of God has the potential to change your life. So I firmly believe that the Lord is calling us to go deeper. Somebody shout deeper. And I want to ask you a question. Are you being intentional about your spiritual growth? Are you making time every day to pray? Are you making time every day to commune with the Lord? Are you making time that there is Bible, Scripture, reading, that you are reading the Scripture? Are you praying together as a family? Fathers, are you praying for your children? Mothers, are you praying for your, your, your husband? Husbands, are you praying for your wives? Are you praying together? Are you cultivating spiritual growth in your homes? A family that prays together will be a family that stays together. Is spiritual growth important in your life? Do you make room for it? What about fasting? Is fasting a regular part of your spiritual development? Jesus said, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, he expected you to fast. Is there fasting involved in your life? Is there prayer? Is there spiritual development? Is there praying among family members? What about your giving? Have you decided that this year you're going to put God first in your finances? Or has money become an idol to you? Do you worship money and provision more than you worship the God that provides for you? Are you growing in your giving to the Lord? Are you tipping or are you tithing? Are you making a decision that God comes number one in my finances? He's number one in my marriage. He's number one in my life. Jesus is number one. And if Jesus is not number one, then something else will be number one. If Jesus don't consume your time, something else will consume your time. You've got to make a decision that Jesus will be number one in every area of your life. And if Jesus is not number one, folks, something else will take your time, something else will rob your energy, something else will take your resources, and something else will rob your finances if Jesus is not number one. Jesus said, Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. Jesus said, I should be number one in your mind. I should be number one in your life. Jesus said to Peter, how much do you love me? Peter said, what? Well, you know I love you, Lord. And Jesus kept asking him the same question. How much do you love me, Peter? Because Peter didn't love God unconditionally. And the Greek word for the word love, the third time Jesus asked, 
is do you love me with the agape type of love? Do you love me agape? Do you love me unconditionally? And I want to ask you something. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Or do you have to constantly search something else to fill the void in your life? What kind of void fillers are you filling in your life? Every one of us have void fillers. We filled something, we feel something in our life. It could be money, it could be sex, it could be, it could be entertainment, it could be pleasure, it could be food. It's something, we always find something to fill the void in our life. And maybe you got a void filler this morning, and you haven't yet realized that that void filler is really taking preeminence in your life, and Jesus is not number one. You see, it's, there's a danger in being empty. Jesus told the parable about the strong man who robbed the house and took all the goods, and he swept the house and made it clean. And the Bible says seven other spirits came and occupied the house. What's the point that Jesus is trying to make? It, it's very dangerous for you to be empty. You see, we pray these prayers, Lord, empty me. Well, you've got to be careful. Lord, empty me that you may refill me with you. Because if you are empty, you're going, to be, you're going to be filled with something else. And if it's not Jesus, you're going to be filled with something else. So there's a danger in becoming empty. You empty yourself so that you are filled with Christ. If you empty yourself and remain empty, you will invite other things in your life that will become void fillers instead of inviting the presence of Christ in your life. Somebody say amen. So what kind of void fillers do you have today? What are you inviting in your life? Is, are you growing in the Lord? Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. In other words, there is a mark before there is a prize. We want to jump to the prize, and yet we haven't reached the mark. We want God to use us in this area, and yet God is saying, I'm trying to do something here in your life, in your heart. You see, St. Teresa of Avila, which was a 15th century Carmelite nun in the medieval period, a mystic, some would think, but I think that her writings have great, great uh, inspiration for us even today. She wrote, a, she wrote a narrative about your heart, and she said, within your heart, your heart is like a house, or she used the word mansion, and your mansion has many different rooms. And what prayer is, prayer is you walking down the hallway and allowing the Holy Spirit to go into the rooms of your heart that you normally would never go in. And I'm asking you a question today. How many rooms has the Holy Spirit entered the heart? How many rooms of your heart has the Holy Spirit went in and cleaned out? How many times have you walked down the hallway of your heart and you said to the Holy Spirit, I have kept that door shut for years. I've not allowed anybody to go in there because I've been ashamed. But the Holy Spirit is apprehending you this morning and He is telling you that He loves you so much that He wants to go into the secret places of your heart and He wants to clean out the rooms of your heart. Are you allowing the Spirit of God to walk down the hallway of your house, your spiritual home, your heart, and allow Him to clean out the clutter of those rooms? All of us, 
when it comes springtime, we usually clean out closets, don't we? Women, right before they have children, they, they do this nesting. They like to clean out things and get things prepared. What about your heart? Have you did a spiritual cleaning in your heart? Is there this spiritual inventory that you're taking that there are things that you need to change? You see, that's what it means to dig deeper. It means to do self-evaluation of your heart and a self-evaluation of your life. You see, just a little bit, brother. So, I have this, there's a story that I think is quite interesting to me that goes along with what I just said. It's 1 Samuel chapter 5, and I want you to listen to the story. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to Ebenezer from Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the hand of the hand of Dagon, both, excuse me, the head of Dagon, both of the palms of his hands were broken off of his threshold, and only Dagon's torso was left. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any who had come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. So I want you to see this principle here. The scripture is telling us about a story about the Philistines, who is the enemy of God, who was the enemy of the children of God, and the Philistines worshipped a god called Dagon. Everybody shout Dagon. Everybody shout real loud Dagon. Dagon was part fish and part man. So it was like a modern-day uh, mermaid. That's probably the best way I could describe Dagon. It's a modern-day mermaid. We've all seen mermaids before on TV and uh, cartoons. Well, that's what Dagon basically was. It was a part fish, part man, and they believed that Dagon controlled uh, f the fertility of, uh, of people and the ground and, and uh, grain and harvest time that he had the ability to make them prosperous. And so the Philistines worshipped this false god, this idol. They would burn incense to it. Some commentaries believe they would do human sacrifice to Dagon. And the Bible says to us, to make a long story short, that the Philistines captured the presence of God, which was the Ark of God. And they rejoiced. And one of their rejoicing's methods was this. Let's bring the ark of God, which is the presence of God, who had defeated us before, but this time Dagon has defeated the God of Israel. So they took that box and brought it into the temple and set it right beside of their God. You know what the Philistines were thinking? The Philistines were thinking, this is our trophy. This is our trophy. We now have something up on the children of Israel. We have defeated them. Our God reigns. Hail to Dagon, glorious Dagon. He has defeated the children of Israel. And as a sporting method to embarrass them, let's bring the ark of God 
and let's put it right beside of our God. So when the priest goes in in the morning to make sacrifice, they are reminded that Dagon should be praised, that Dagon defeated the God of the Israelites. Can you imagine the pomp and the circumstance that went into the celebration of the Philistines winning? We won. Our God Dagon has defeated the Israelites and they took the ark of God and put it beside of Dagon. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, we can never underestimate the presence of God. I said never underestimate the presence of God because they went in, the priest went in one morning and the scripture says they found Dagon fallen on its face in front of the ark of God and the head was cut off, and the hands was cut off. And somebody say amen. Do you know what I believe the Spirit is saying in this scripture? That any time you make room for Jesus in your life, and you put Jesus as priority in your life, the head and hands of sin is broken in your life. The head represents authority. The hands represent activity. When you allow the presence of God to take preeminence in your life, the presence of God will cut the authority of sin out and cut the activity of sin out of your life. Can I hear an amen? If sin is dominating your life, if addiction is dominating your life, or whatever may be a dominating your life, I am encouraging you and challenging you to put Jesus number one in your life, to put it number one, because when he is number one, I promise you it will cut out the activity of sin and it will cut the authority of sin out of your life. And you know what happens? So they found Dagon with the head gone, the hands gone, and guess what the priests did? They went and they picked him up and put him back on its place. Isn't it interesting that when God does something in our life, our old fleshly Adamic nature wants to put things back in its place because we are used to things being the same way. We have a tendency when God delivers us, we run back to the same habit and we put it back on its throne when God delivers us from relationships and God delivers us from this addiction and God delivers us from this situation, we get temporary freedom, but somehow, some way, we have a tendency to put Dagon back on its throne. But let me tell you something. You can't make room for Dagon and the presence of God in your heart. It's either Dagon or the presence of God. Did you hear me? Either you're going to reverence Dagon, or you're going to make the presence of God a priority in your life. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters, either you will hate the one and you will love the other. And so they, they put Dagon back in its place. And it's interesting that they went in, and the Bible says he was fallen again. You know what God was doing? God was telling these Philistines, listen, 
I'm greater than any day gone that you have. And I want to tell you today that the presence of Jesus and Jesus himself is greater than any idol in your heart. He's greater than any addiction. He's greater than any mess up. Jesus is greater and he will not occupy your heart with Dagon. You've got to choose. Either I put Dagon back on its place or I make room for the presence of God, but it can't be Dagon and it can't be the presence of God. What is it? Is it Dagon? Or is it the presence of God? I am so glad as I read this scripture, I'm so glad that I don't serve a God that I have to constantly put back on the throne. I serve a God that fell once, but the power of the Holy Spirit raised him up and he is seated on the throne forever and ever. We don't serve a God that we've got to constantly pick up all the time. You've got to make a decision is it Dagon or is it the presence of Jesus? Is Jesus enough for you? Remember our sermon series is digging deeper. Are you going deeper? Are you making room for Jesus? Is he priority in your life? You see, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 5, I, wanna, I want you to see this, verse 4. And they rose early in the morning and there was Dagon fallen to the ground before the ark of the Lord. You see, I just love how God works. He said, listen, Dagon fell in front of the ark of the Lord. God was saying to the Israelites, there is no God greater than I. And if you think you're high and mighty, you're going to fall before me in my presence. Listen, if you serve your idols, if you serve the God of sex and money and pride and elitism, I promise you there'll come a time in your life it's going to fall before the presence of God. It's going to fall before the presence of God. And I like this. The Bible says, they rose early, verse 4, in the morning. There was Dagon fallen on its face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon, which is the authority of sin, the palms of his hand, the activity of sin was broken off, and only the torso was left or, many translations says, the stump was left. So, the only thing that was left was the base, the bottom part of Dagon. And I want to throw this thought at you. You've got to make a decision. It's either Dagon that occupies the temple of my heart, or whether it's the presence of God that occupies the temple of my heart. And even though you remove the Dagons from your life, there will always be a stump left. As long as you live, as long as you have breath, you're always going to have a stump. What do you mean, Pastor? That stump has the potential to grow again. There's always going to be a stump in your life. There's always going to be areas of your life that you've got to watch. I can't look at that. Because if I look at it, the stump will grow again. I, I can't participate with that. I can't do that like I used to do it. Because there's a stump in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us have stumps in our life. You may be a good Christian. 
You may love Jesus and you may have removed Dagon, the idols out of your heart. But every one of us have something in common. We have a stump in our life. In other words, we always got to deal with the flesh. We always got to deal with it. We, we never come to a place in our life where we think we have total victory of everything in our life. You always have that stump that you got to deal with. But you see, the stump don't have to grow again. You just got to be aware it's there. You got to put boundaries up in your life. You got to be intentional about growing. You got to be intentional about putting Jesus first. You got to be intentional about putting Jesus first in every department of your life because if Jesus is not first, that stump will grow again and it will take preeminence in your life. What about it? What are you dealing with the stumps of your life? Is it growing again? Oh, I know you got victory last year, but did you slip a little bit this year? Maybe Jesus is not as important as he was, and that stump starts to grow again. Your heart starts to get bitter again. You, 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 you start to drift from him because you've allowed the stump to grow. Job. You don't have to turn there. Look at this scripture. Job 13, verse 8. Job 13, verse 8. Look at this phrase concerning the stump. Job 13, verse number 8. And this is what it says. Job 13, verse number 8. And this is Job speaking of uh, life. And he makes this, he makes this uh, profound statement. Job, uh, excuse me, Job 14, I'm sorry. Job 14, verse 8. And Job here is questioning life to his friends. And he makes this profound statement, Job 14, verse 8. Though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud. You see, you may have killed Dagon. Dagon may have been excommunicated from your life, but just like the story in 1 Samuel, the only thing that was left in the temple was the stump. And every one of us have a stump. And you've got to watch that that stump don't grow again. You've got to be careful that the stump don't grow. You see, Job said, although it's dead, although it may grow old, in other words, you may be an old Christian, but I promise you, you still got a stump. Can I hear an amen? You may even be the pastor, but how many knows that I got a stump? Come on, somebody. I know y'all look Pentecostal proud this morning. You got your Bibles open and you look real good and look fine. You smell good. But you still got a stump inside of you. You've got to watch it. Job said, at the very scent of water, it may grow. What are you saying? Job said, it has the potential to grow real fast. 
your heart has the potential to draw cold real fast. The very scent, we have the potential to go astray real fast if you don't make Jesus number one, if you don't make Jesus priority in your life, if He is not number one at the very scent of water, that stump in your life will grow. I like it because in closing, Dagon was fallen. His activity, the the authority of sin was broken. And God reduced Dagon to the very thing that he was, a fish. He was a fish. And all that stuff you wrestle with, if you let Jesus have preeminence in your life, he will reduce it to exactly what it is. You think money has a lot of power? What is it? It's paper. In the presence of God, he reduces it to actually what it is. It, what is it? Is it an argument? Is it, are you upset with somebody in the church? What is it? In the presence of God, he reduces it to what it really is. It's just a disagreement. Why are you going to erect a Dagon in your life over disagreement? Why are you going to give preeminence to something in your life that's just really a fish or a creature? Put Jesus number one. Let Jesus be the center of your life in every area of your life. There is no such thing as spiritual and secular as a Christian. There is no such thing as compartmentalizing your life. This is what I do on Sunday. This is what I do on Wednesday. But through the week, it doesn't matter how I live or what I think or what I say. When you signed up under the role of real commitment, you are saying that everything I have belongs to Jesus. I surrender everything to Him. I don't own my life. I'm simply a steward of what He has given me. What about it? Is Jesus, pre- is Jesus number one in your life? Is His presence number one in your life? Are you seeking to bring your life in alignment to the gospel? Or have you decided that you're going to do it your way? Because when I find out, when I do my way, and when I find out that every time I start to put Dagon back on its throne, I can't have the presence of God and Dagon. You see, church, that's the the issue. Many of us try to live with both. We try to live with Dagon and we try to have the presence of God. And you can't have both. You've got to make a decision. It's either the ark of God, the presence of God, or it's either I'm going to erect Dagons in my life and I'm going to give that preeminence. But I promise you, if the presence of God is inside of you and you're seeking after Jesus, all those idols of Dagon will eventually fall before the presence of Almighty God. You say, well, pastor, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. 
You keep serving Jesus. You keep putting Jesus number one. And the more you put Jesus number one, the less authority Dagon has in your life. Keep serving him. Keep pressing forward. Keep giving your all to Jesus. Because I promise you, Dagon will lose its authority. It will lose its activity in your life. And it will fall before the presence of God. You see, the end of the story is, you know, the priest of Ashdod, the Bible says that God got angry with him. Verse number 6, he got so angry with him. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 5, verse 6, the hand of the Lord became heavy upon all the people of Ashdod. And he, the Bible says, he gave them tumors. Now, there is a some people argue about what it means by tumors. Some people think it was actually tumors all over their body. Some commentaries believe they had hemorrhoids. That the hand of the Lord came up on the people of Ashdod and really gave them a hard time. Somebody say amen. Now, I don't know about the Lord, but I, if I was the Lord, I'd probably be laughing. I'd be like, you know. But the Lord struck all the people of Ashdod because... Anytime you have idols in your heart, it really does affect everybody. It just don't affect you. It really does affect everybody around you. So put Jesus at number one. And that's what we've been preaching about the last few weeks, is digging deeper, making Jesus priority in every area of your life. He should be. Number one at all times. Keep seeking Him. Keep putting the ark of God in your life. Did you hear me? And I promise you, those Dagons will lose the authority. They'll lose their activity in your life as long as you keep putting the presence of God in the temple of your heart. But there's not room for both. You've got to make a decision today. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? Lift up both of your hands. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has went forth in power and boldness and we receive the word of the Lord that today we are going to be people that will put you first in every area of our life. Amen and amen. Would you say this with me? I make a decision to put Jesus number one in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, I pray today that you would give them the strength and the ability. We can't do it without you. We have to have you. I pray for your strength and your ability to give them the strength that they need, that although there is a stump there, you have given us the authority and the power to be victors. Now, I thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name.